0: Welcome to the FPA Business Before Technology podcast, where our goal is to provide small business owners and key decision makers with valuable nuggets to help you grow or simply improve how you run your business, ultimately looking to increase your profitability. My name is Craig Pollack, I'm the founder and CEO of FPA Technology Services, and I'm your host for this podcast. Do you ever wonder what other business owners are running up against out there? Are you too busy working in your business to work on your business? Do you ever feel like you're in this thing alone? Are you at a crossroad with your business where some new ideas would help? For nearly 30 years, I've been helping companies grow and improve their businesses by leveraging technology, whether it's software, hardware, on-prem, or in the cloud, and at the same time building FPA into the premier IT service provider in the greater Los Angeles area. This experience has given me exposure to hundreds of businesses and all sorts of systems and as a lifelong learner has helped me gather all I could about the ins and outs of running a business. And these are the sorts of things I want to share with you on this podcast. In today's podcast, I sit down with Joe Jotkowitz, the founder and CEO of The Executive Advisory, an executive coaching and leadership development firm. Joe's created one of the strongest and most unique firms providing this service in the area. Their team is passionate about helping organizations create productive and positive work environments. They pride themselves on providing their clients with a custom-tailored solution to help address today's complex performance challenges. And as Joe likes to say, we help people be their best and companies to thrive. So here we go. We're in for a great conversation with Joe, peeling back their approach to culture, development, and helping people and companies thrive. Here's my conversation with Joe. Okay, Joe Jokowitz, uh, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing this morning?
1: I'm feeling pretty good. Thanks for uh, thanks for the invite.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm super psyched to talk to you. I love talking about these sort of concepts. And you know, one of the things that I always look for are ways to improve our business, ways to improve our clients' businesses. And that may or may not involve technology, but we'll get there. But I love the stuff that you do. And I think if we could start out by just you know, just a little background and your experience and sort of how you founded the executive advisory and go from there.
1: Sure. So uh, we we describe ourselves as a communication consulting firm. Uh, we do a lot of uh, leadership development, uh, management training, communication skills. Uh, I, I, I get to jokingly say that uh, this is, in fact, what I went to school for. Uh, so I got to study business and communication and organizational development back in college. Originally, I was going to be a college professor. I actually started down that path for a little bit and mm-hmm. then realized uh, I was going to have to make a living. And so I got out of the world <laughs> of academia. I got into right. the business world. Originally started my career a little bit in HR, but very quickly migrated more and more towards learning and development, organizational development. Ended up doing a lot of work in-house and mm-hmm. then eventually went to an outside consultancy, Worked there for quite some time, and then started the executive advisory about uh, fifteen years ago. Okay. So that is uh, that's a little bit of the inception, if you will, of uh, me in in my career and, and how the executive advisory originally got started.
0: Awesome. Yeah. yeah, I saw on on your LinkedIn, you know, on your LinkedIn title, whatever we uh-huh. call it, um, communication consultant, quote unquote, okay. and that seems so open ended. Like yeah. you know, and you said even in your description of the firm. A communication consultant's Um, like, what is that? What does that mean? What does that mean? You know, you you speak really well. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I I put words together. (laughs) Yeah, you're a wordsmith. It's uh, it's
1: actually it's 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 funny. It's a question I get quite often. I I do travel quite a bit for work, so it's not uncommon to be on an airplane and somebody turns to you and says, "So, what do you do?" Right. You respond as a communication consultant, and then you get that uh, that look in their eyes and then the standard response of, oh, that's interesting, Mm -hmm. which of course, over the years I've learned is uh, is code for,
0: I have no idea what
2: exactly. Right, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Uh,
1: Usually I've got to uh, tell people it has nothing to do with technology or telephony systems or anything like that. It really Mm -hmm. is just. The way that that people, human beings, communicate is probably one of the reasons why generally we refer to ourselves as communication in the singular, as opposed to plural, which does tend, I think, to get associated more and more with technology.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: it really is how people interact, how they how they behave. Uh, you know, sometimes I'll people will ask me about my background and my credentials. And I've got the ability to say, I've got a few different degrees with the word communication on them, mm-hmm. but you can pull the word communication off and put the word behavior. Mm-hmm. And they are, they are literally one and the same. And so mm-hmm. when we talk about being a communication consultant, it is focusing on how people behave specifically in the workplace.
0: Right. Right. Well, I think, you know, from our perspective as technology consultants, yeah. it's, you know, communication is key. I mean, we talk about over communicating all the time, and I think you know when you talk, i probably I would say, and I'm I'm sort of flubbing my words right now, but you know, with, with a technologist, any little bit of communication sometimes is over communicating, right? Because <laughs> they like yeah. to hide in the corner and just do their work. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's a I think that's a key to our success is is finding people who who obviously have the technical skills, yeah. but also have the ability to communicate because it's it's yeah. so, you know, it's almost like uh, technology is another language, is a foreign language, and you yeah. have to be able to communicate, you know, what you're doing, how you're doing it, what it means, what the impacts might be, uh, all those sorts of things. So,
1: yeah, I, I tell you what, I, I do generally get brought into a lot of what I will call um a uh, detail-oriented or technical-oriented type of environments, like IT or, or accounting or or legal or finance, mm-hmm. uh, and I think one of one of the reasons is uh, what you're starting to allude to is there's there's such a high concentration for learning the subject matter, the, to become a subject matter expert in IT or or in accounting or one of these very technical arenas. Uh, you don't get a lot of classes, for example, in programming around how to talk to people. You know, how do you? Not at how all. How do you? Yeah.
0: Not at all. Right. How do
1: I talk through this project and let people know this is the benefit it's going to have to the company? Mm-hmm. Or, or how do I pitch a, a new? I don't know. I've, I've got a, a new program that I think is going to work well for what we do here. How do I? How do I sell that into you know senior level leadership? Very rarely do we find classes back in school and that stuff. As a matter of fact, I'd be lying if I said I knew exactly what I wanted to do when I originally went to college for communication. I wasn't totally sure, but I did know that whatever I wanted to do, I had to be able to communicate. And I thought it was fascinating that you put a lot of really good, smart, intelligent people together, and sometimes uh, things didn't get done, right, or they got done 100%. incorrectly.
0: Uh huh. Right, um, and yeah. there's a lot of angst between the people too, in terms of yeah. Right, a lot of tension there. I, I think the business environment was different, right? The mindset oh, yeah. was different. Um, right. I think organizational development, communication, just, you know, I think we were coming out of the sort of the dark ages of, right? You, you had managers and whips, right? And it was yeah. like, it was carrot and stick sort of yeah. management. One um, what, what of the things that, that ties into what you're talking about and ties into, again, ties into us and how we view things and how we work um, is this concept that I think for the longest time people hired for skill mm-hmm. rather than not, not competency, but there's this intangible. And I I found a quote on your website from Heather that I thought was just perfect, which is be a passion scout versus a talent scout.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Being good at something is great, but finding people that love what they do and, and who they do it with is pure gold. And And I think that's, you know, maybe it's taken us a long time to figure that out because for the longest time we hired for skill and mm-hmm. and not that, I mean, I think in a technology company, you have to have skill, right? Mm-hmm. That That's like the uh, the entry point, right? To be able yeah. to entry to play is to be able to do your work and people hire us. It's sort of a given that, you know, we're we're competent at the technical side, but it's it's the everything else. It's the passion that, I mean, that keeps people around, that keeps people learning, that keeps people caring, right? I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why we have such a, you know, and I don't want this to be a commercial about us, but it's more more a point of, I totally understand at this point, but maybe it's taken us 30 years to get Mm -hmm. to the point of, you know we definitely hire for passion we hire yeah. for you know who the person is seeing that on your on your website was like i don't want to say it was an aha moment but it definitely clicked that there's a connection there between our companies
1: yeah well you, you actually bring up a, a really interesting point something that we we talk about quite a bit in some of our our programs when you are taking a look at talent but bringing them on board hiring them even mm-hmm. evaluating them and trying to understand what they're doing and and uh, how they're doing and if there are gaps to be identified, and it does it boil down to what we call uh, and this is is pretty common out there an issue of skill or an issue of will, mm-hmm. and uh, like you're saying that that desire that drive that uh, wanting to work with others the camaraderie those that sort of uh, passion from people, I I don't know if it's it's kind of an interesting point I don't know if it's taken us 30 years to realize that or if. Candidly, the work has changed from mm-hmm. 30, 40 years ago. You know, when I when I think right. about, uh, for lack of a better term, let's call it the, the work of yesteryear, so to speak, it uh-huh. did tend to be a little bit more um, tactical, maybe a little bit more static. I, I don't want to oversimplify it, but it did seem to be a little bit more like sticking tab A in a slot B, so to right. speak.
2: hmm
1: nowadays when you think about the work out there it is so much more dynamic and complex you know just being good at a particular skill or function is well it's 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 no longer a competitive edge it's uh, you know that's
2: right that's that's right. kind
1: of the entry ticket if you will uh-huh. but the stuff that's going to distinguish people is this other stuff that you're talking about as a matter of fact I I do make an argument when I'm working with people. I will say your competence will generally only get you so far. There there is an expiration date. There is a cap, a ceiling. And the reason being, at some point, everybody is equally competent. Everybody becomes equally uh, smart, if you will. It is some of these other elements that really start to distinguish people. And especially if you're thinking about something like promotion or career advancement, What are some of those intangibles? Well, the ability to connect with people, the ability to communicate clearly, the ability to take the complex and and make it simple, or sit down at at the boardroom table, take your seat, and be able to make a compelling business argument. These are some of the elements that I think really do start to distinguish folks at that level.
0: Oh, no question. No question. And I I think it's one of the things that i always preach is is i mean i think and correct me if i'm wrong because you're you're the one with all the degrees and with all the all the degrees with the words communication in it but um, i i think a lot of it starts with self-awareness like your your ability to think about communication back when you were learning about communication i think is huge right like a lot of people it takes years and years to sort of have this aha moment or a light bulb switch of, of being aware and being able to just sit in a room and look around and understand the dynamics of the people. Right. And I, I, I think that if you don't, you know, you could be a great communicator, but you might be stepping over people or stepping on people or, you know, if you can't read a room.
1: Yeah. um, Yeah. I, I joke around and I get to say, I work with the smartest people in the world. And I know that because I'm told so. Yeah. <laughs> so the calls, the calls right. that will come into That's our great firm. Yeah, right. it is.
0: It's awesome. It
1: is. It works out well. It's, um, you know, I've got, uh, I've got a guy, I got a gal, I got an executive, I've, I've got a leader, you know, she's crazy brilliant. He's really good at his job, but, and then everything after that, but turns into an area of leadership development or, or communication or, or management or what have you. And the part that I do find fascinating, I, I, When I'm speaking with friends, family, even my own wife, and they are talking about, we'll just call it some of the bad behavior Mm -hmm. of their colleagues or even their own boss, their manager in the workplace. Nine times out of 10, when I end up working with those individuals that are demonstrating that bad behavior, they don't realize the impact they're having. They understand what they're doing, Mm -hmm. but they don't realize that it's not, as you put it, reading the room effectively. I've got uh, got an executive that I'm working with right now, uh, crazy brilliant, he is -hmm. is an absolute genius. Uh, He has a tendency to over explain things. Mm -hmm. His intent is to make sure that everybody understands the concept in the way that he does. The, The challenge is as he is over explaining and he is repeating himself, he's going into too much detail, he's providing too many examples, He's losing his audience.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, we end up getting the feedback on this and we start to take a look at it. And he's like, well, yeah, I've got to make sure that they understand. I've, I've got to educate them. And so as we start to talk about what it is that he's trying to do, and then I start to demonstrate to him that it's not having that same effect, getting him to realize, and it was pretty interesting as we were talking about it. It makes absolute sense. He, he learned this back in school. Back in, back in school, in order to get a good grade, you had to tell people everything you know. Mm-hmm. The challenge was that nowhere along the way did somebody tell him, now once you leave academics and you go into the business world, just the opposite is true. It's not telling people everything you know, it's telling them what they need to hear.
0: What they need to hear. Right. It, what they yeah. need and and everybody, you know, I mean, I think everybody understands this now, which is everybody learns differently. Yeah. But everybody not only communicates differently. But they have different underlying needs of how, you know, dare I say it, how they need to be communicated so they get what they need. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's, it's interesting that that as a society, we've come to this point as almost Mm -hmm. as a civilization, right? It's like, there is no easy answer to solve this problem. That's, I mean, that's why you exist, right? It's not like, hey, go watch this video and you'll get it. There's so much reinforcement and so much subtleties to this that people need an expert like you to, to come in and help them do this. I think that's great.
1: And the, one of the interesting parts about it, the success of this skill is really dependent upon the measurement of others. What do I mean by that? If, in order for me to be called an effective communicator, it, Yes, I would hope that I do the prep and the pre-work and, and I put in the effort and, and the time to be an effective communicator, but I am truly only measured as an effective communicator as others think I'm effective. Mm-hmm. And so understanding that, and you you nailed it, having that self-awareness of not only what you're doing, but the impact it's having on others really does start to determine whether or not you're going to be effective. As a matter of fact, I mean, you and I, we briefly talked a little bit about um, uh, one of the pivots that we had made a few years ago, and it was done with really that that very mindset. We, we have always been very effective being in the room and facilitating workshops or leadership development programs. And once the pandemic hit, we realized, all right, we got to pivot. Why? Because we're not going to be in the room anymore. We got to, but we still got to figure out how to be effective. And like everybody else, we ended up going on, online, we were already doing some virtual training, some remote training. I think at the time we were using WebEx.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We quickly started to migrate more towards Zoom just because it gave us greater functionality. As a result, it gave our clients a uh, a better experience. Uh, and then we even went a little further and we, we built out a, a studio, a streaming studio in our office. Once again, so that we could be more effective with the people that were receiving the training. it We, we think we've got pretty darn good tools and strategies and, and techniques that we've designed and developed. But regardless of how good that subject matter expertise is, it's got to be received in an engaging and inquisitive manner. And so by building out the studio, we were able to create a much more interactive environment. We, uh, we were able to put up uh, five, six different cameras, get different angles, different shots, creates a lot more interest. Uh, When we are doing programs now, you get people that are are participating, they're asking questions, they're having side conversations. And so we have found a way to try and once again, make it effective in their eyes so that hopefully people are getting the value that we're trying to provide.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I think the important thing that at least the takeaway for me is again this this self-awareness but mm-hmm. also i don't know if empathy is the right word but but you know simply putting yourself in somebody else's shoes right yeah. how how, do, how does your client how do they you know how will they benefit from this how can we make the experience better for them mm-hmm. right which is it kind of goes back to your your example of I mean, the guy that you were working with that mm-hmm. wasn't he wasn't viewing it from their point of view, right? It doesn't okay. matter how much you know or how much you explain because yeah. everybody gets it differently. So put yourself in their shoes and, yeah. and, you know, even just asking questions, right? Yeah. Something as simple as repeat this back to me. Oh, right. you get it. Cause you can repeat yeah. it. Right. As opposed yeah. to, you know, yes or no questions. Hey, yeah. do you understand me? Yes. Well, maybe they do. Maybe they don't. Right. Yeah. You don't, you don't know. Yeah. Um, nah, so, so. So so tell me a little bit more about, you know, you said that you pivoted at the yeah. at the you know, the beginning of the pandemic. What was I mean, I would think for a service business like yours, you know, when we first went to Zoom, that that must have been a shock to the system both both for your team and and your clients. Uh
1: yes, yes and no. Uh the mm-hmm. no part is we were already doing Remote training. As a matter of fact, it wasn't uncommon we would suggest it or offer it up with some clients, but there has always been a, a feeling, at least in, in what we've observed, that clients want us in the room physically live. When you are doing learning and development, training and development, and I can definitely say over the last couple of years, I can confirm this, there is a huge value of being in person. Absolutely. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: However, in the beginning, clients weren't, we were all just trying to figure this out. And so while we did have that capacity, we weren't really getting a lot of requests when people were forced to try and pivot and redirect. Mm -hmm. And we started to do more and more of the virtual and the remote training. We started to realize everybody's gonna go in this direction. And we wanted to figure out how to distinguish ourselves. Uh, In a nutshell, we said, we've got to figure out a way to avoid just being a talking head Mm -hmm. in a box sharing a presentation deck. And so we were fortunate, we work in entertainment quite a bit. And so we took a page out of what we were seeing when we might have been working with people on set. And we started to create a little bit of a, if you can imagine, a little bit of a newsroom
2: Mm -hmm.
1: type of look and feel. Uh, We got a little bit of a podium there, and we get to facilitate from there, but we also have another set where we get to jump in front of a green screen. We've got another set where we get to jump in front of a whiteboard. We've got another set where we get to jump in front of a television. And so we get to go a little bit more old school where we were standing in front of a boardroom and delivering in that method. In addition, as we've got these different sets, we also have multiple TVs. So we get to see participants. Mm-hmm. So all those little nuances that you might have caught in the training room where you know somebody gives a facial expression where they don't totally agree, I get to see all of that now in the studio. And I get, to, hey, Craig, so it sounds like you didn't necessarily agree with that last statement. Do you mind if I ask you to unmute yourself and expand on that? And we're creating a lot more interactivity, a lot more engagement, a lot more discussion than just the standard in a Zoom box and uh, one-way communication sharing slides. And it's been exceptionally, exceptionally beneficial for us.
0: Well, that's awesome. That that, I mean, I think that, you know, when we moved to remote, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we already, technically, we were already doing it, but to be doing it, you know, full time for everybody and at the same time getting our clients, right? I mean, I think, like you said, up until the pandemic, I don't know, you know, 95, 98% of our clients said, yeah, there's no way we could be 100% virtual. Right. Yeah. But when you're forced to, it's like, yeah. okay, yeah, I guess we have to. Exactly. You, figure, you figure it out and, and yeah. you move forward. Um, I think one of the interesting things for us was um when we first went, you know, when the pan- pandemic first hit, mm-hmm. my big concern was how do we meet with new clients, new people who don't know us mm-hmm. and engage because there's such a trust factor in in our relationships and that was our big concern was even via zoom how can we build trust how can we you know work with people to have dare i say meaningful relationships even though this is virtual we're not sitting in a room we're not shaking hands and i think that because the whole world pivoted yeah. It, it, it changed people's expectations. Right. And, and it allowed them after, after a couple months where it was like, okay, this isn't, you know, we're, we're not coming back into the office in two weeks. Right. right? We, we all thought we were going to be back in two weeks. We're good. Yeah. Like, who, who would have thought that this is the way it played out, but, um, I've always said since, since the start of the pandemic, which was for our society, there would have been no better time for us to deal with it than now because of the technology, Mm -hmm. right? If we, you know, 20 years ago, if we didn't have zoom, yeah, this would have been really hard for businesses to keep moving forward. You know, it would have been really difficult. And I think our economy would have been hit. And I think, Mm -hmm. I think more people may have died because of that, because we'd have Mm -hmm. to push the envelope of keeping things moving forward. And Who knows, but definitely society has changed. But I think what hasn't changed, dare I say, coming back to you is like, we we still need to connect. We still need yeah. to be able to communicate and, and almost more so now because we're not in the same room. Right? Yeah. It's like, we have to have better skills now. Are, are you seeing anything like that?
1: Yeah, I would have said, I I think now we need to be more deliberate Mm-hmm. About some of those um, connective tissue type of opportunities, you you talk about uh, being live and in the room, and there's definitely a, a little bit more. I'll call it a, a natural human instinct, if you will, to develop mm-hmm. a relationship right. and rapport. Uh, but it's not that it can't happen via Zoom or some other platform. You know, technology technology will continue to allow us to connect more and more. Uh, I do also wonder if some of that is just us as human beings continue to get more and more comfortable Mm -hmm. with that type of connection. I mean, candidly, you and I, yeah, we've got a little bit more gray hair. uh, Okay. So I have got a little bit more, more hair, although both of us are gray.
0: Right. (laughs) Uh, You
1: know, my, my kids, for example, as they talk about this, it, they don't talk about it with the same, uh, reservation or any hesitation about it, as for example, me and, and some of my friends,
2: mm-hmm. you know,
1: it, it's almost not even as as much of a concern, if you will, when they talk about it. It's just more of a matter of fact, right? And so it, I think, I think it will change a little bit of perhaps uh, how we do things, but we definitely still need we, we've still got that human need to connect and build that relationship and that rapport. And as a result, you're right. I, I hope that that does continue to feed into what we do and, and how we do it. You know, one thing that we are seeing more with our folks and, and our clients, when you were in the office with people, it was real easy to just pop in and chat. And you mm-hmm. can touch base and catch yeah, up yeah. On, on Project F and Client Y and what have you. Well, those those opportunities for happenstance, they're not there as often but it doesn't mean that we don't want them. It just requires a little bit more effort. And so uh, what I've seen clients do is number one, schedule more one-on-ones with their people, but also hold them a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've also seen a little bit more impromptu types of uh, conversation and interaction. I've actually got one client, uh, they do have people that are back at work and they've got uh, cameras randomly set up in the office. Mm -hmm. Uh, A couple are in the break room, a couple are in the boardroom and when somebody pops in you do have the ability to have an impromptu conversation interesting so i am seeing yeah. that the environment is, is starting to adapt more and more to this method i think you're going to continue to see that
0: yeah it's interesting because i do think like you said i mean connection is it right mm-hmm. and the technology is just allowing us to bridge that connection so one of the things i'd like to clear up a little bit is yeah. If you could talk a little bit more about sort of your engagements, what what do they look like? I'm a little bit, I don't want to say confused, but maybe sure. cloudy on like, do you work with a team? Do you mm-hmm. work with you know people one on one? How how do they sort of look like, and how do they yeah. sort of work?
2: Sure. You sound like my uh,
1: my family. I love
0: when my uh, <laughs> my wife yeah. or my kids will try and explain what what, what I do or what how
1: do I do it. Right. Uh this communication thing. thats uh, He teaches people to talk real good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I usually, so the calls that come in are uh, one of three, I'll say, uh, areas to work. Uh, either we get asked to work with the individual, a group or a team, or company-wide. So okay. on the first one, as an individual, it's very similar to what I said before. I've got an executive, really smart, but.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, once in a while, it is also, we've got an executive they are very smart and and it's a little bit more of a preparatory type of coaching engagement where they want to give the individual some skills some tools in order to be ready to uh, lead at the next
0: level yeah, that that was something i was going to ask you is yeah. is you know do you get do you get engagements where it's like hey i've got this guy really great at what he does mm-hmm. um we think he'd be great mm-hmm. in this Next role, which which has significantly more leadership, but right his his yeah his interpersonal skills. Not that they're bad, yeah. just he's not quite at that level in terms of how to how to motivate people, how to yeah. motivate staff, how to how to be how to truly be a leader, right? One of one of the things that I heard way back when that stuck with me is um, you manage inventory and you lead people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So do you ever get those sort of like, we're not sure if we should promote them or not, but we'd like to see if, you know, can we help them get to that place?
1: Yeah. I'd say about 20% of the calls for one-on-one work is more of that. We want to help them get to that. Now that next level, and it can be Mm -hmm. something like, you know, they don't know how to read the room and we want to give them people skills on how to understand different people, different styles. Maybe it is, as you had said, they, they uh, they don't really inspire you know they they just kind of dole out the facts and the data but we we need him to be able to understand how to tell the story and why this matters so we do get we do get some of those calls as well uh, as a matter of fact uh, sometimes that even leads into the second group of work that I started to talk about which is with mm-hmm. a group or a team uh, it's not uncommon that those types of situations are usually they're usually solved more with a uh, a group. Training or program. Okay. Such as, you know, we've got, I don't know, 10, 12, 20 individuals that we're looking at to, to get to that, that next level. Uh, we want to put them through a foundations of management program or a managerial basics training type program. And so we will design and develop a management program that uh, takes a look at setting clear goals and expectations and, And delegating work and how do you interview and hire and onboard people? How do you address performance and coach people and give feedback and all of those types of managerial skills? Mm -hmm. Sometimes the the group work, the teamwork can be either cross-functional like this one, or sometimes it can even be an intact team.
3: Mm -hmm. Or maybe
1: people aren't totally getting along. Unfortunately, oh, production isn't seeing eye to eye with sales, who isn't on the same page with finance. And it's a matter of getting people to understand that we're all trying to get to the same place, but we're doing it a little differently. Right. And maybe there's been a little bit of conflict, if you will. Okay. So we might come in and we would facilitate more of a, a team building, a collaboration and, and teamwork type program, where we take a look at uh, different individual styles, maybe do a, a style composite of the entire team, the entire group see where perhaps some of those relationships really seem to be clicking and where and why maybe sometimes there's conflict and then really start to get into, okay, what can we do in order to flex, adjust our style and our approach to be more effective with one another? So that's uh, that's the second group mm-hmm. of work. So the first is individual, the second is in, in teams or in groups. Uh, and sometimes that might even take the form of a, an offsite or an offsite onsite type of gig. Uh, and then the last one is we get work company-wise. So we might get asked to work with an entire organization and putting together, well, as a matter of fact, we just got uh, done putting this together. It was a leader as coach program and it was uh, facilitated throughout the whole organization. We ended up working with uh, VP and director level individuals and it was all about getting them to understand their role as a leader and the influence they have specifically around managing performance. Mm -hmm. Uh, Being able to set clear expectations, uh, talk about it from a a bigger picture perspective and why and how what people are doing fits into the larger scope, being able to facilitate coaching conversations, helping people grow and develop, even being able to give people feedback or facilitate some difficult conversations. Right. So that was a program that was uh,
3: company-wide.
0: Okay. Okay. So what, um, like what size companies do you guys work with? Does it run the gamut or what is, you know, sort of a bell curve of this is sort of your sweet spot?
2: Yeah, how, does, usually, how does that look?
0: Usually it
1: is mid to larger sized organizations. Uh, mm-hmm. Smaller companies don't, number one, I don't know if they run into same types of people issues as you find in larger organizations. Uh, maybe uh, maybe a way to think about it. I've got a <laughs> my son's got a friend, and his father and I are are pretty friendly with each other. And what we have coined is what we call the teenage boy factor. So my son hmm. is a teenage boy, and there's a certain level of stupidity that I expect <laughs> in my teenage son. Uh, however, once he gets together with his friends, that level of stupidity doesn't just increase based on the number of people in the group, it actually increases exponentially.
2: Right, right.
1: So it's kind of the same thing when you think about organizations.
2: Mm-hmm. If you've
1: got two, three, 10 people in an organization, alright you're going to have some people challenge maybe. But when you increase that to a few hundred or even thousands of people, then the the potential for people issues- Really does increase exponentially. Leadership and management challenges increases uh, exponentially. So usually, I do find myself working in in larger or mid size okay. organizations.
0: When when you mentioned something about um, styles, yeah. Um, is that something akin to disk is that something oh, yeah. you know do you, do you guys still use disk or any and any of those sort of assessments where, where do you yeah, where, yeah. where do you stand on all of that i'm impressed throwing stuff? in throwing in a
1: little uh, local knowledge uh, yeah yes, there's A, <laughs> <Drop> a
0: <laughs> couple of acronyms
1: yeah we do we uh we are certified we use those types of tools disk Berkman hbdi social styles we used to get calls for uh, Myers-Briggs or MBTI, which a lot of people mm-hmm. are familiar with, uh, probably not as much anymore. But those are great tools to to really give people that aha moment,
2: mm-hmm. so to get people
1: to realize that different people have have uh, different, different styles. Com- yeah. yeah, communication
0: I, uh, styles, 100%. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. We, uh, as a matter of fact, there's an example that sometimes I'll use in the training associated with that my uh, son- Unfortunately, my son, when he was a a baby, he had what was called impacted eardrums. Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically, the pressure in his ears was being, it was kind of um, sucking his eardrums into into his head.
2: Hmm. As a matter of fact, if you
1: were to put your hands over your ears and talk, that was the way he was learning sound. And he wasn't forming his words correctly. Well. We end up going to the doctor and it was a very standard, very straightforward procedure where he needed tubes in his ears in order to release the pressure. As a matter of fact, very, very common.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard of that. So we
1: we go and we go to meet with the doctor in a pre-surgery type of meeting. Uh, One of the things I've learned over the years is you do not turn to your Jewish wife and say, this surgery is nothing. There's nothing to worry about. So she <laughs> yeah. had uh, such such a sorus, such uh, angst about this. She had a whole uh-huh. she had like three pages of questions that she wanted to ask the doctor in this meeting. So we walk in, we sit down. The doctor gives us a quick thirty second overview of what we can expect. Really anticipating that we're going to say okay, thanks and and walk out. No, my wife starts down the list of her three pages of questions and about. About question three into it, the doctor ends up reaching across the table, grabs the the notebook that my Mm -hmm. wife had, and starts to just go through each question. No, no, you don't have to worry. Yes, but only 10% of the time. Not a big deal. And as she's giving these answers, she's doing what she thinks is is her job, which is to educate, inform the patient. Right, Right. But that's not what my wife was looking for. My wife wasn't looking for more knowledge. She was looking for a reduction in anxiety. Uh And unfortunately, just reading through the list and giving answers did not accomplish that.
0: Right, right.
1: So we walk out of the room and the first words out of my wife's mouth, that doctor's not touching my son. (laughs) And I had to go back and explain to my wife that this was one of the best doctors in the area. And we were very fortunate to have her in the end. The doctor was very, very cool about it all. I asked her to have at least five or 10 more minutes with us where my wife could just ask her questions and have a conversation. And my wife started to realize the doctor wasn't a a bad person. It wasn't as if she was trying to be uh, minimizing or condescending or just blowing us off. She just had a different style. Mm -hmm. She had a different approach. She was a very straightforward, no nonsense, very good at her job type of doctor right but my wife was looking for bedside manner
0: and, and and sometimes like in those sort of cases you want somebody who's technically proficient right yeah. you sometimes yeah. you know I, I'll take the technical proficiency over the you know warm and fuzzy for yeah. c- certain things yeah.
1: uh, although you know, interesting I've got a couple of uh, friends who are malpractice attorneys and mm-hmm. they've told me the number one reason for malpractice is not incompetence. Mm-hmm. It's uh, doctors candidly being kind of an ass. It's yeah. a, a bad bedside manner. And uh, my my friends have told me they've one of the first things they have to do sometimes with their client is convince them who is the one that actually screwed up. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I know you liked her, but uh, she was the one that made the error. He was the one that that really we we need. No, no, no. no. He was great. And so it's kind of fascinating.
0: Right. That's interesting. But again, it comes back to, right? Perceptions, right? And communication is all about how do you perceive the information that's being transmitted? Yeah. Right. And yeah, this is a, it's interesting stuff. There's there's so many challenges to all this stuff. Yeah. So how do you, how do you go about, like, I mean, you have a, you know, you have a small company, you've been working at this for a while. How, How do you guys, do, is, is, do you have any specific goals, or you know, are you looking to grow the company? you were looking like how? How did you get to the point that you're at now, and and how does that stand?
1: Let's uh, see. We got we got to the point that we are now uh, through perseverance, mm-hmm. and I've got to say, great. Uh, we did, We've got great clients. We are super super fortunate. Uh, when when you ask about growing, I know I know I'm supposed to say that we are in growth mode and and we want to keep growing and we want to dominate the Not world. Not necessarily. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess I say that after talking right. with uh, friends and colleagues of mine who who have a similar size size firm. Uh, but one of the things that we have definitely come to realize, uh, especially in our firm, we mm-hmm. we appreciate being a work life balance firm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and so, what does that mean? It means that you actually get to work as as much or as little as as you want to, to, within certain parameters
0: right of course.
1: but we have set ourselves up where uh, you you really do get to manage the workload
3: mm-hmm. so that
1: it, it, it works for you I I do not have a plan to be uh, 50 100, 200 strong. Uh, I I do appreciate the independence and the flexibility. In being a, a smaller firm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, being a managing partner for the firm, that's that's probably what I tend to promote uh, more than let's just go for exponential growth, and see if we can double our sales year over year. Right. We've been now we've been super fortunate. Don't get me wrong.
2: Mm-hmm. We have
1: we have been able to continue to grow year over year, but I I would say it has been very manageable. Uh, it hasn't been totally not deliberate the approach has been very focused so that we, we didn't get out of control.
0: Right. Well, I would assume that also gives you, you personally, the ability to be engaged more as opposed to, okay, I've got a 50 person or 25 person, you know, and I'm quote unquote running the business as opposed to
1: still doing
0: the things that you're passionate about.
1: Yeah. I'd ask you the same thing. You know, I, I got to imagine you, you didn't get into technology because you wanted to run a firm one day. I, I got to mm-hmm. imagine you thought technology was cool. It was fun. It was fascinating. It was innovative, and that's probably what got you into it, right?
0: Yeah. Well, that's certainly what got me into it. And then second of that was helping people. Like, just yeah. you know, I, I, you know, there's definitely a level of competitiveness that I have, but the competitiveness is around like I want to do a great job i want to do great yeah. work and i want to be around people who want to do you know there's yeah. this great there's this great quote in in this movie that I, I have a bad memory for for words and stuff these days but movie quotes they never disappear um, <laughs> there, there's this movie uh what is it? it's the jennifer aniston and vince vaughn movie uh oh, the breakup the, the breakup yeah it's a great movie and <laughs> and she says My to him
1: that movie oh,
3: yeah. i
0: love it she says to him, I want you to want to wash the dishes. And he goes, I don't want to wash the dishes. I know you don't want to wash the dishes, but I want you to want to wash. And he couldn't get what she was saying. Right. And, and so the reason I, I use that quote is I talk to our staff with, I don't want people who are great. I want people who want to be great. Right. Because it's that passion. It's that drive. Yeah. It's, it's, it's. I want more, I want to learn, right? Uh, You couple that with, uh, you know, a decent amount of skill and you couple that with humbleness, you're going to get great people, right? And similar to you, I think, I just like being around people that I'm challenged by and that I enjoy working with. Like, again, one of the quotes that I always throw out there to our staff is we just spend way too much time doing this to be around people we don't like or respect, Yeah. You okay. know, so to your I point, agree. it's like I, I, I don't want to have a huge company just for the sake of a huge company. Mm-hmm. I want to be around people that, you know, want want to work with us and yeah. you know, want to work for us. Yeah, right. Very simple.
1: Nah. <laughs> yeah. I I totally agree. I I think early in my career, I realized the environment that I did not want to be in.
2: And then mm-hmm.
1: once I started to realize I could have influence and control over creating the environment, the work environment I wanted to be in, that that was what I went after. Right. That's. Uh, we do a lot of work in uh, video games,
2: and okay. uh, one of right. the things
1: I've learned is nobody gets into video games to become a manager.
2: Right. You get into Actually, video yeah. games because <laughs> it's
1: cool, right? It's fun, and right. you're with people that really enjoy video games. I, I would imagine similarly, as you just detailed, you enjoy being with people that like technology and want to want to help others. We, mm-hmm. we like being a part of a firm, people that are interested, uh, that deeply passionately interested in this human development thing, uh, especially in the workplace. Now, we can call it uh, leadership development or management skill or communication or collaboration but we we all have this really deep interest in in that craft and understanding and learning what is it that we can do or not do in order to be better with one another, connect with one another in order to to get done what we need to get done and do so in a in a rewarding manner.
0: right. and i I could, you know, what's interesting is when I think about our client base and I think about, you know, who, which clients were more successful with, or, you know, which ones were less successful with and which ones are quote unquote, easier to work with versus not. And a lot of it comes down to the stuff that you guys do really. It's like, you know, the the organizations that are internally run well and have really high quality staff, mm-hmm you can just see how they operate and they, 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 they just the business function the organization as a whole functions better right which yeah. is only going to lead to you know happier staff and yeah. higher productivity and more you know yeah. more profitability right yeah
1: it's interesting there's a uh there's i don't know if i'd call it a a, a test so to speak but i'll say it's it's at least a a very telling uh, comment or demonstration that sometimes I'll get from prospective clients. Now, if you go on our website, uh, you will see it is it is us. Mm-hmm. So we're not uh, stock art or anything like that. It's that's, it's actually pictures of us on the site.
0: That's exactly the same as as us. Yeah, I, like, I saw that and I like that. As, yeah, same exactly. Yeah, I think it's great. Yeah. yeah.
1: On ours, if you look at it, it's me and then there are uh four four women standing next to me. Mm-hmm. And the question that sometimes I'll get from prospective clients is, oh, uh, I saw your homepage, your, your website. Why is it that you only hire women? Mm-hmm. Which unfortunately tells me that, that if that's what they picked up on, uh, but I, I mean, I get it. it. It's very obvious. There's one male, four female. My response is typically, I, I don't just hire women. I hire uh, passionate, smart people that are interested in this. Just so happens. Right. They just so like, yeah, happens. Fa- yeah. Right.
0: It's a fairly but, small sample size, right? I mean, yeah. if you are a company of a thousand.
1: Eh. Yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> right. But yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I do find it interesting that sometimes that that's, that is what picks up uh, people's eyes, right. if you will. Well,
0: it's an easy right. answer, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's something that we can quantify through our years of, ex- of experience in God, I don't want to get into this whole woke conversation but a right, patriarchal right, right. Yeah, society yeah, or yeah, something, right? Yeah. That uh, especially in the business world. I don't know, is that a is that a right brain left brain thing where
1: I mean, a, Yeah, it is a it's a great question. Uh I I don't know.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: don't know. I Yeah, it's just fascinating to me. Number one that okay, I get it. You would pick up on that, but then number two that's that's the conversation that you mm-hmm. have uh, versus, you know, like we were just talking about, being in a firm where you not only love what you do, but you love the people you work with. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's if if there was one thing that I would say it's has been super rewarding, it has been being able to not only be able to do what I love, but doing it with people that I love working with.
3: Is, yeah, 100 percent phenomenal. Yeah.
0: Right. Um, I think that's, I mean, <sighs> life is more than business. I mean, I, you know, it it is. Um, and look, everybody has different goals and everybody has different aspirations and different paths to get there. But like I said, you know, it was, it was hugely important to me that we spent, we just spend way too much time being, you know, doing this. Mm -hmm. We spend more time doing this than we do with our families, with, you know, extracurricular activities. I mean, yeah, you spend more time working than almost anything other than maybe sleep. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, as as far as far as like one activity, right? Yeah. But, and if you're a
1: small business owner, uh, you're definitely yeah, working you're, more than sleeping. So yeah, yeah. Ex- exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: So here, I'm gonna ask you, you know, I'm gonna zig again yeah. um some some personal questions. So sure. what do you do? Like, how do you continue? I mean, I would think that you're into Personal development, continue mm-hmm. that. I mean, because what you do is not—it's not a static thing. It's not yeah. hey, and, and not to downplay almost anything, right? Right. Like taxes or IT or yeah. I mean, you're you're in the people business big time, yeah. right? So I would assume that you're a constant learner and you're looking to grow because that's the nature of of your business. That's the nature yeah. of the field you're in. Mm-hmm. Are there any specific things that you do? Do you like and in, in intentionally continue to learn or how do you go about you know challenging yourself internally.
1: Absolutely. Uh there's there's a few things. Uh number 1, inside the firm, we do a lot of knowledge sharing. Different tools or exercises that we might design and develop and we share with one another so that you can use them with your clients and vice versa. Uh that's that is that's pretty beneficial. Uh not only do we get to share Knowledge and and tools and concepts with each other. We also will riff and build off of each mm-hmm. other as well. In addition, I do tend to read quite a bit. Usually, I read I read a lot of research.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I like to. I'm kind of a, a data geek.
3: Yeah. Okay.
1: So I I will read a lot of uh, journals and, and studies. It is it is kind of fascinating to me how you know for example one, one study that comes to mind. Uh, are are you familiar with the acronym RBF?
0: That's one I I am not. All right, so it's a
1: term and I I will apologize for any sensitive ears, uh, but it is a fairly common term out there called resting bitch face.
2: Okay. RBF.
1: Okay, (laughs) Okay. good to know. There you go. And a number of years ago, actually, this was kind of an interesting concept that was starting to come out in the research because there were certain individuals, uh, prominent figures that were identified as possessing this RBF. Uh, one of which, and I only say this because it is all it's published. Uh, Kanye West, for mm-hmm. example, he's got okay. that type of facial expression about him. Well, that in and of itself, all right, it's kind of interesting. Well, then when you start to take a look at how others respond to people that have that uh, affect, that lack of expression. Right. You start to realize, well, it's not as open. It's not as approachable. People don't listen to individuals that might come across that way a little bit more. Now it's got some interesting application. So, in if I'm in a a business meeting, do I come across with that RBF, or do I manage my nonverbal communication to come across as more interested and engaged? Well, those sorts of studies I find fascinating.
2: Hmm.
0: Interesting.
1: And so I will pull a lot of different research from different areas. And then even start to take a look at how it will apply in business situations. Uh, The other thing I like to read a lot, I have to read biographies.
2: Okay. I love love, uh, reading about people.
0: History or recent or?
1: Mostly. Yeah, actually, now I think about it, probably mostly uh, history. Uh, Personally, Uh I tend to, I'm a huge, huge fan of the old Negro Leagues. Uh And uh, Jackie Robinson is is my hero. Okay. Uh, As a matter of fact, you've, you've talked about a couple of times the impact that you, you have on others and clients is a phenomenal quotation from Jackie Robinson. I'm going to totally bastardize it, but it's something along the lines of a human life is only as valuable as the impact it has on another human life.
2: Huh? Okay. It's
1: a, it's a, a great right. quotation. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. Uh, so I love reading biographies and learning what other people have done in different situations. I'll tell you what, there's a fascinating, um, you want to talk about a fascinating communication situation. and Uh, I apologize if you've heard this story, but when uh, Branch Rickey was Mm -hmm. first thinking about uh, bringing Jackie Robinson into the club and and, um, uh, putting him out on the field, he invited him to his office. And I don't know if you're familiar, but he he berated him. He laid into Jackie Robinson and he called him every name in the book, uh, every version of the N-word that you can imagine uh, to try and put him through his druthers. Mm -hmm. to see if he would react. And he noticed that Robinson was obviously upset and and angry and wanted to to fight back, but he didn't. And Branch Rickey in that communication exchange acknowledged, I know you're upset. I know you're angry. You've got every right to be. But if we are going to do this and you're going to go out there on that field, you cannot react. If you react, we lose.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And it was just a, a Fascinating interaction too. Right. Yeah. It's um I've I've heard it documented in a couple of books. Uh-huh. But what an amazing communication type of situation interaction. And right I, I love reading about those types of things. And you think about how then people are able to apply it in business world.
0: Right. And I think yeah. you know, the key there is the the intentionality, right? Like right. He he was preparing. It wasn't yeah. it wasn't. I mean, yeah, I guess it was a test, but it was also, yeah. it was, it was, and, and, geez, given the time, right? I mean, yeah. that, that was, that was dealing with it head on, right? I yeah. mean, that's, that's crucial conversations one one.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's it's, crazy. Um, I like so, that.
1: I was going to say the only other, the other place that I've, um, and I've done this over the last probably eight to 10 years more and more mm-hmm. uh, for my own development. I've started participating more and more on boards. Interesting. Uh, Okay. And it has been a phenomenal learning experience for me. Uh, Number one, a board operates much differently than than an intact team or perhaps Mm -hmm. a a department or a company. Number two, especially on a nonprofit board.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Well, decision-making, collaboration, communication is much different when you are in a nonprofit environment versus a for-profit.
2: Oh yeah, right. You
1: know, decisions get made on mission, for example, as opposed to economics. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you've got to balance. Well, if, if we don't pay attention to economics, then we're not even going to be a nonprofit,
0: right? Right. So,
1: boards have been a really good place as well for me to focus on my own development.
0: Interesting. Here's a, here's a question for you. Mm-hmm. What's the what's the hardest personnel issue? You know, you have such a great team. Have you ever had like a personnel issue that you had to deal with and what, what did that look like?
1: Uh, me personally, uh, yes. Yeah, I have. So I have personally dealt with some difficult personnel issues and I've even coached people mm-hmm. through some difficult personnel issues. The one that I candidly find most challenging uh, people will say, well, it must be, you know, when people are uh, hostile or confrontational. Actually, it's just the opposite. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, it's apathy. Mm-hmm. When people are apathetic, the, well, whatever. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. That That to me, That's so maybe cool. it goes back to what you started talking about. You know, you and I both like when people have passion, desire, drive, uh-huh. you know, without that, that drive and that passion i would much rather have somebody that can come across a, a little adversarial uh maybe even a little a pessimistic at times mm-hmm. at, at least there's there's some sort of uh care there but when people are apathetic that one that one's probably a tough one for me what about you
2: yeah
0: that's pretty tough oh my goodness how which 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 personnel issue haven't <laughs> dealt, <with? laughs> dealt with so many <laughs> You know, I think my biggest learning experience, I think, and I don't know that I have a specific example to share, but yeah, certainly something that when I'm mentoring our mid level managers have a conversation mm. is to stick to the facts, take yeah. the emotion out of it, mm. and just this is what I saw. yeah, this is what the outcome was, this mm. is why it was an issue.
3: yeah,
0: right, and work through it a lot a lot of times we we get into emotions and i think from a from an hr perspective right emotion and then the more you talk about emotions the more the conversation tends to get out of control and you lose sort of the you know the purpose of what the conversation yeah. is supposed to be there mm-hmm. i also think you know i read this not not just crucial conversations but there was another book it was about having i don't want to say tough conversations but i think a lot of leaders tend to skirt around the issues and try mm-hmm. to Try to get people to be, I need you to be better. Well, what does that look yeah. like? You yeah. know, okay, great. Good conversation. All right, we're going to yeah. be better. Like, yeah. what is, what does that mean? Like, and, you know, what is, yeah. you know, how do you define it objectively and what's the time period?
2: Yeah,
1: right. no, um, we we do a lot of work. It's uh, Now that you bring that up, we do a lot of work with managers and leaders around giving people feedback and, and mm-hmm. specificity and, yeah. It's the other one. As a matter of fact, I say one of my favorites, uh, it was a, a manager giving feedback to a direct report around their attitude.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And they, they gave the feedback, something along the lines of, well, you know, you've got a really poor attitude, by the way, if you ever want to get attitude from somebody who demonstrates a bad attitude, tell them <laughs> they've tough. got a bad attitude. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm like, so, what is it that that right. he did in order to come across with a bad attitude? Well, you know, he was just difficult. Well, what do you mean difficult? How so? Well, you know he he just wasn't easy to work with all right. well, if I was <laughs> in the room, what did he do? right? Yeah, and getting people to to get down to that level of specificity. Mm-hmm. I like to say that uh, when we are working with people, one of the things we we try and pride ourselves on is the ability to boil down these very complex personnel issues into a basic premise of either do it or stop it.
2: Right. And then if you can stop.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If you can get it down to that behavioral level, like in this situation, the attitude was that uh, the individual would interrupt. And then when they heard something that they didn't like, they would give a little, they would sit back and then they'd roll their eyes. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, but now those are behaviors and that's tangible
0: exactly but it's right. amazing get, getting people to realize that
2: yeah
0: yeah it's it is it's about the behavior right it's yeah. because you want the behavior to change it's not right it's well the attitude comes from the behavior the attitude is how we're reading his behavior
2: yeah
0: but you can't tell somebody to change you know it's like telling right. somebody to change your feelings yeah well, yeah you, you can't tell somebody to change or you shouldn't feel that way yeah well, yeah okay no. that's no. Like yeah. you might not be able to control the way
1: you feel, but you can always control the way you react. And yeah. that's what we're talking about. It's that 100%. reaction. It's the behavior. Yep. You are more than entitled to feel frustrated or angry or annoyed or whatever inside. Right. But behaviorally, this is what we're seeing and this is the impact it's having.
0: And I think, you know, what you said and what you do is, is helping leaders yeah. sort of bridge that gap, right? Because yeah. that's, that's, I don't, I, honestly, I don't know when I pick that up or how I pick that up. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly the, you know, the older I get, the better I get, I think, um, the slower I get, <laughs> yeah. but, um, I like no. kids. I think kids have actually helped me. My kids have helped me see uh, that, and
1: understand it. My ki- they they have no filter. no
0: filter, no filter, no
1: filter. And it, um, yeah, it is, it is definitely illuminated a couple oh, of yeah.
0: times for me. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. You can't, you can't manage your kids the same way you, Nice. All All right. right. So we're, we're coming up on the end here. I just wanted to ask you like one or two last things, but what would you, what would you tell your 25 year old self? I always find that to be uh, a illuminating or near the end here, wrapping Mm -hmm. things up.
1: Let's see. I was just starting to get into the professional workspace. I guess I would have said it'll be okay. I think when i was when I was twenty five and entering the workforce, I had a lot of angst, a lot of worry, mm-hmm. a lot of concern. Um, I, I got to imagine it's probably what most twenty something year olds were were experiencing. Am I going to be able to make a living? am i am I going to be able to support myself? Uh, am I going to meet somebody? all of those types of mm-hmm. things. Am I going to be able to to do this job, maybe not quite imposter syndrome, but am I going to be competent in all of this? I guess the part that's, that it, it, it works out. It, it really does. Uh, one way or another. And just to be patient. Maybe that's the other thing is, especially back then, I, I wanted everything to happen right away.
0: Mm-hmm now oh, granted you're, yeah. you're you're young and right? yeah i mean you don't know what the timeline like yeah i just want it all now yeah
1: <laughs> yeah and at the now granted at the time this was what probably the very very beginning of the whole dot-com uh-huh. boom type thing and so things were happening at a faster pace and you right. were reading about people making six figures out of co- i mean now you say six figures out of college and it's you know the no-brainer but back then six figures out of college was huge mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess just telling myself, have a, have a coconut smile and relax.
2: Wow. Uh, that's I mean, that's, some, that's,
0: that's good. Good uh guidance. I, yeah, I think that, that, I think that's important. Yeah.
2: What uh, would
1: you have told you? That's actually a great question. What would you have told your, your 25 year old self
0: back in the day? I would tell myself, hi uh, I have a long-winded answer because I'm an engineer brain. Uh,
3: <laughs>
0: you know, I got to explain things 20 times to make sure people okay. get it. Um, you know, you should work with a communication guy on that. <laughs> I've heard that, you know, again, well, we've, we've worked way back when. And That's yeah, right. I, That's we, right. Yeah. Probably something around self-awareness and like this is, you know, I always thought, okay, you go to college and then mm-hmm. you work, mm-hmm. right? And so college is when you learn and work is when you start making money mm-hmm. and, Honestly, I think I really didn't start making money, really, Mm
2: -hmm. until
0: I started working on myself, like Mm -hmm. learning, Mm -hmm. like I would have told myself, Mm self-improvement, self-awareness is is key, Mm. right? Um, I like yours, though, because it's it's interesting when you say, you know, because what what you said around patience, Mm -hmm. I have this little stone with a chinese character for patience carved into it mm-hmm. it's on my keyboard that i carry around everywhere that's my like i feel like my job on earth is mm-hmm. to learn patience
2: mm-hmm.
0: because i've always wanted like i just don't wait like i want yeah. it now and it's like well it's not going to happen now yeah what do you mean it's not going to happen if i did it i'd happen now well yeah <laughs> things yeah. don't happen yeah. that way anymore
1: that's uh, right yeah no, I, yeah, I can totally relate to that. I, I don't think it was until my thirties when I started having kids,
2: mm-hmm.
1: right? I, I really started to understand how little control I actually possess.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, uh, no question. Yeah, yeah
1: it's, <laughs> and it's funny. I am, I'm a lifelong surfer and mm-hmm. there, are, there are a couple of, of ways in which you can ride a wave. Uh, One of which is really just to accept it and go with it. Mm -hmm. I wish I I knew that a little earlier and and applied that earlier in my life and not not to get so upset uh, over Mm -hmm. certain things. I mean, there's a great uh, uh, saying I forgot. Maybe it was don't sweat the small stuff. Right. When you get frustrated or upset about something ask yourself, is this really going to matter a year from now?
0: Uh Uh-huh
1: you know, and nine times out of 10, I, I don't remember what the heck I was upset about a year ago today, July 20, whatever. Yeah. Right. So yeah, being able to understand that perspective would be beneficial.
0: Well, I think, I mean, to your point too, with kids is like, you know, we had our kids a little bit later in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I think I had my first kid when I was 38, um, okay. not really old, but old enough. Um, right. But I was far enough along in my maturity as a, as a business owner and leader Mm -hmm. and whatnot that I came to realize how much you're interact, especially, you know, it's, it's different leading somebody who's 30, 40, 50 Mm -hmm. versus helping your, your kids develop.
3: Right. Mm -hmm. Because
0: one, one of the best advice, best one, one of the best, you know, things of advice I ever got was from our dog trainer mm. 30 years ago, which yeah. was no matter what you're doing, you're always training them. So if you're doing the wrong thing, you're training them in the wrong thing. Mm. And so I've always thought about that with my kids that I was super sensitive to how I reacted to them, how I asked them, how I followed up on their homework. Like I, I was just really sensitive that I didn't want to create phobias or I didn't want to you know yeah create a disc. it's just everything that i tried to do i tried to be super aware of how are they going to see this yeah yeah but,
2: no um,
1: that's uh, that is actually i think that's really really insightful it's something that we talk about when we're doing a leadership development or management training
2: mm-hmm. and one
1: of the things we'll tell folks is uh your people are talking about you more than you're talking about them
2: mm-hmm
1: they may not always be listening to you, but they are always watching you. So, what you do and how you do it, they're picking up their cues from you. They're they're learning from you. If you have a difficult time, you know, communicating in a clear, organized manner, well, it's, it's going to be tough to expect them to do it. If you can't get to the point, if if you aren't transparent with information, how can you expect others to do it?
2: Right,
0: hundred um, percent. Yeah. yeah. I remember uh somebody mentioned this to me as well, which was, you know, if you're not if you're not creating the story, mm-hmm. they're creating their own story. Yeah. And it's usually not what you want the story to be. Yeah. So, yeah. you yeah. know, that's where transparency and filling in the blanks and making sure people are updated and and know what's going on. Otherwise they're filling in the blanks. And yep. Yep. that could be scary.
1: Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Ah, oh, it's kind of interesting.
0: Well, this was this was awesome. This is uh, yeah. this is one of my. I mean, I haven't listened back to it. Obviously, I'm still <laughs> knee, knee deep in it, but I'd like to say it's one of the best ones I've had. Oh, That's uh, cool. I, I, I love this topic. Um, I didn't realize you were a surfer, so we may have yeah. to go out there some point. Yeah. Um, Actually, I,
1: I finally got to check off one of my uh, my bucket list items. I always wanted to surf in Hawaii. And oh, I did that uh, a number of years ago, and it was amazing to to surf without even a spring suit on. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah i I had no I had no idea. I, I originally got connected with a friend of a friend sort of thing, and mm-hmm. uh, she was going to set me up with a surfboard. And I said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll just bring my uh, my suit." She said, "Yeah, all you need are your board shorts and uh, right. and a rash guard, uh, e- even if if you want that." I said, "Oh no, I thought I'd bring my spring suit." She said, "Why?" Yeah. I said, "Well, I don't want to freeze." She goes, "Well, it's you know going to be about eighty degrees." I said, "Oh, well." She goes, "No, no, no. The, no, water, the water
2: is going to yeah. be eighty degrees." And I said,
3: <laughs> "Oh, yeah,
1: it was awesome. I
0: uh, loved it." I wish. Uh, so my surfing story from from Hawaii was, yeah. uh, you know, they I, I didn't surf a beach break. I surfed uh, uh, a coral break, right? Mm. So. Yeah. which took probably a half an hour for me to paddle out to it wasn't yes. that far but it was far enough yeah and the first wave i went for i dug in pretty hard with my hand and yeah and i hit the coral oh and, and i said okay so that coral's two and a half feet from the surface wow I'm probably don't want to risk this yeah <laughs> so, then I, so then i paddled all the way back in so it was uh, I, didn't, I didn't get to surf so
1: I did a coral oh, yeah. break uh, once
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that was it. It was uh, down in Poipu and I, uh, I unfortunately uh, bit it
2: yeah. and
1: I had, uh, I had coral in my cheeks oh. uh, for, yeah, it was, it was not, it was, but surfing in Hawaii was absolutely spectacular. I will, I will always say that But this was just one,
0: one of those times where I realized, okay,
1: I'm going to stick stick with my sandy bottoms.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: it's a little bit softer. Yeah. Well, this was like I said, this was a great conversation. Thanks. I loved it. Thank you so much for your time. I'd say, are there any any parting advice, or if someone wanted to get in touch with you, the easiest way? I mean, we'll definitely have you know your links in the show notes. Um, yeah. yeah um, and probably the easiest way to get a hold of us, uh, you can check
1: us out on our website, uh, theexecutiveadvisory.com. Uh Otherwise. Yeah, no, uh, no other, no other words of parting advice, right. so to speak. Um, I, there was. <laughs> I used to work with a guy, and he had this saying. You know, that people would be asking, "Well, what is the value that that you bring to the table when you come into an organization?" And he had this great response. He would say, "Well, all of God's children could use communication coaching. We can always become better communicators."
0: <laughs> okay. okay, good to know. I always know. thought that was kind of a funny. Professorial
1: right. way to look at it.
0: That is a professorial way.
3: Yeah.
0: Well, awesome. Like I said, thank you so much for your time. This was Absolutely. great. Um, thank lot you. A lot of nuggets here, and uh, yeah, we'll see you. We'll see you at the t- the training sessions that we're going to talk about now. You got it. <laughs>
2: Thanks.
3: I'll All talk right. to you.
0: And that was Joe Jodkowski, founder and CEO of the Executive Advisory. I hope you found the conversation as interesting as I did. It's always great to dive into the mind of a subject matter expert like Joe, and there were certainly a lot of nuggets there. I think you'd have to agree, his approach to coaching and developing talent is the foundation for everyone's success. Thanks again, Joe, for your time and sharing all your great thoughts with our listeners. And if you'd like to find out more about what Joe and the executive advisory has to offer, or simply want to connect with him, check out the show notes for more details. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. To learn more about this episode or hear previous episodes, check out the show notes at www.fpainc.com slash podcast. And if you like today's show, please do us a favor and share it with your friends. We'd really appreciate getting the word out there. And you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. And while you're there, please do give us a review. Again, we'd really appreciate that. You can also write to us at podcast at fpainc.com. And if you want to send us a tweet, our handle on Twitter is at FPAINC. I'm Craig Bollock, and you've been listening to the FPA Business Before Technology podcast. And remember, with FPA, it's always about business before technology. Take care.